I didn't even know how to internalize that term. Give yourself grace. I didn't even, that was not in my vocabulary at all. You just do it. You don't complain. You get it done. Life sucks. And then you die sort of <laughs> like there was no, I know this is hard. That would be considered coddling in my past. I was just, you know, you just buck up. You just do the thing. And I was like trying to buck up again and again and again and again. And I'm like, but I can't do the thing. I can't, I can't do this. I'm losing it. And I did not start appreciating myself as a mother until the podcast started talking with other moms. And when I got into my community and really became friends with these moms, because how can we all be sharing the same struggles and all be bad moms? It's not possible. We're not bad moms at all. So therefore, it's, it's not even about giving yourself grace because giving yourself grace, it implies that you are forgiving yourself for mm-hmm. doing something wrong in the first place. Mm-hmm. But what if I wasn't doing anything wrong? I don't need to give myself any grace. There's no grace to be had. I just am not doing anything wrong, period. This is the Help Me See podcast, and I'm your host, Bianca Mora. I'm an artist, an educator, and an anxiety-ridden mama who's obsessed with making meaning and art out of this one and only life. This podcast is about helping you see your life before it's gone. Like, really see it. I want to ask questions like, when does your now become your nostalgia? How can we be more intentional with the memories we're saving and not just capturing the highlight reel? You can expect an episode every Wednesday, some with just my introvert self rambling about what keeps me up at night, and some amazing guest speakers diving into how they choose to see. Something that seriously pains me is hearing, I wish I would have known how important that was at the time. I hate hearing that from others, and I'm scared to feel that for myself. I do feel like doing this podcast will be a comfort. I believe that if we continue having conversations about intention and awareness, that we can all live more fulfilled lives and create amazing work. I hope you leave each episode feeling inspired by your day-to-day with a deep peace of knowing that you're not missing it. So grab your coffee, settle in, and let's talk about everything that's right in front of us. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Help Me See. So at the time that this uh, episode is going to drop uh, on Wednesday, January 12th, this is my first kickoff day of Get Mama in the Photo Challenge. If you haven't signed up already, you can sign up in the show notes. Um, It's a free three-day challenge where I send a mini lesson and homework assignment straight to your inbox for three days, one a day. And you do the homework and we come to the Facebook group and chat about it. I didn't reinvent the wheel here. This These homework assignments are not hard. They're not um, intricate. They're not mind-blowing. They're meant to get you down to the root of why this is important um, and actually just take the damn picture, <laughs> right? It could be so hard, but we're going to do it together. That group mentality. Okay, so I hope to see you in the Facebook group. Today on the show, we have a very exciting episode. Megan Champion is on, host of the On the Hard Days podcast and founder of Mothers Together. 
She's a 15-year elementary school teacher and the mother of three kids, including her neurodiverse son. After years of shame, guilt, and loneliness due to her child's behavioral challenges, she searched for a way to connect with mothers raising children like hers. When she couldn't find that, she made it herself. I mean, come on, isn't that the best? Megan and I chat about the importance of community and authentic connection, being able to raise your hand and be the first to come out and be honest about your truth and your struggles and how that leads to such a snowball effect of people saying, me too, thank you, I feel seen, the whole thing. It's a really, really powerful conversation and I'd love to hear what you think. And if you resonate, um, I have Megan's website and Instagram. So if you want to learn more about her, check out the show notes. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Megan, and thank you so much for joining me on the show. How are you today? I am good. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I am so excited. Um, nothing, I don't think anything excites me more than a good old story of it didn't exist, so I made it. Yes. yes. <laughs> like, is there anything cooler than that? It's a good um, feeling. <laughs> so I'd like to start out by hearing a little bit from you um, of your story and your background and kind of where you're at today. Yeah. So thanks so much. Um, so I am a, an elementary school teacher. First of all, this is my 15th year. Um, and when you're a teacher, you sort of soak up that identity. You just are a teacher on weekends at night, um, forever. It's just a part of who you are. Um, and part of that is building community, which I'll get to in a minute, part of being a teacher, but I'm also a mother of three and I have eight year old boy, girl, twins and a five-year-old son. And my eight-year-old son is neurodiverse. And when he was little, gosh, like um, about 10 months old, honestly, it started really early. He became aggressive and angry, 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 and so much rage. He would go from zero to 60 in a hot minute um, with so much screaming. And then there was violence. And it was just... It was shocking for me, um, a quieter, introverted person having this, this baby just angry all the time. And I noticed some sensory struggles. Um, uh, I noticed some anxiety things start to creep up when he was in preschool, saw some OCD sort of traits. Um, I saw a whole lot of things that you recognize through what you experienced as a teacher or just through your own research. question. You know what? Both. So I OCD runs in my family. And so I have seen it um, in my childhood and I know sort of what I'm looking at. Um, that the, the whole obsession piece. Um, the sensory thing? No, I didn't know what that was. I remembered like I gave the, the twins, they were babies, but I gave them that crinkly paper that comes on top of a um, Brussels sprout container, like a plastic crinkly. And I was like, oh, babies will love this sound. And I handed them each one and my daughter loved it. And she was jumping in her little bouncer. And my son screamed like I had just stabbed him. Like he was in pain from the noise. And I remember looking at my husband and I was like, no, oh, that's not normal. Oh, well. And we just, you know, continued on it turns out that he does struggle with some sensory things, especially loud noises, things that are sudden, um, and a whole, you know, a whole, a whole other list. So he really had some tough preschool years. We did get him. 
I mean, I was just like, I didn't know what to make of his behavior. Talked to doc to the doctor, talked to a lot of people, did not get any helpful information and finally was able to get him a neuropsych eval. And long story short, he was, um, diagnosed with tentative anxiety. He was only four, but he was also labeled gifted. And I had never even considered that. I didn't even really know what giftedness really meant. And so he was given a label of twice exceptional or 2E, which I also didn't know what that meant. Um, years later now, because I could go deep into that, deep in, deep down into that hole. But years later, he is twice exceptional. He is gifted. He does have ADHD. He is anxious. He um, has sensory processing disorder. He's highly sensitive. And so am I. I've come to realize um, that that's um, an HSP, a highly sensitive person is a thing. And I just learned that myself. Oh, really? Oh my gosh. You you, got to take a deep dive. If you feel like that might be you, it is fascinating. It is totally me Mm -hmm. and it's my father and it's my son, probably all my uh, two out of three, (laughs) two out of three kids. And so he was all these things. He was a perfectionist and I really struggled. In fact, because I'm a teacher and because I was a babysitter and I worked in daycares, I always prided myself on being someone who is really mothering towards children and really warm. Um, and I'm just good with kids. And I knew that from an early age, except my own child, I was not good with him at all because he was flipping out on a regular basis. And I had no clue how to handle it. I was trying all kinds of different discipline techniques that made no sense to me, but I was sort of pushed by some some people, but also just society in general, just the way that we sort of do it here in traditional parenting. And I tried, I tried all kinds of things and really nothing was working because none of it felt right because it wasn't right. It wasn't right for me or him, but I was very, very lonely in this process. I kept kind of asking family and friends for advice, not knowing what to do. They were giving me bad advice, not meaning to. That made me feel like a, a worse mother. There was a lot of shame and a lot of guilt in raising my other two children and feeling like I'm not giving them the attention that they need. Um, I just started to doubt myself. Like, why, why am I even this child's mother? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Clearly, I don't know what I'm doing. And that led to some, some, some depression and some anxiety for myself as well. And I did a little blogging years ago, just kind of therapeutically getting some of my thoughts out. And that, that felt kind of good. But what I really needed was a person, a friend. I needed a friend with a kid like mine. And I did not know a single person in the world with a kid like mine, not one. And so that became even more depressing. If I don't know anybody with a kid like mine, then it's obviously my parenting that's the problem. Like I'm doing something wrong, but what am I doing wrong? I can't figure it out. So fast forward a few years, I kind of, you know, it's just been hiding quietly and, and, and suffering in this way and, and feeling like I'm really doing my children a disservice and feeling like a terrible mom. Um, and then almost a year ago, um, my husband said, why don't you start a podcast? And I was like, why would anybody want to listen to people talk? That's so weird. It's music or bust for me. Um, <laughs> But, but I let that sit and fester and I was like, hmm, hmm, I don't know, maybe. So I, I did it. I decided to start a podcast and last January of 2021, I started on the hard days, um, which at first became sort of a, 
an audio version of my blogs from past years. I was just sharing my own stories, um, sharing the journey that I'm on in raising my neurodiverse kid. And then I took the leap and started interviewing other moms, nobody famous and, you know, no celebrities just, and that's, I didn't want that anyway. I just wanted regular moms raising kids like mine, not only so I could spread awareness to my listeners, but also so for me, it was therapeutic for me to meet other moms. And especially in those earlier episodes, if people go back and listen to the earlier ones with, with my guests, there's so many moments where I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe it. I just can't believe that other moms are going through the same thing and that they're struggling just like I'm struggling. And so I still have it. Obviously now it's been almost a year. It's coming along great. And every week I bring a mother onto my show who has an out of the box child and she just shares her story. Um, it's not really about the kid as much as it is about the mother's mental health in raising children like we have. Um, and so that was really powerful. And I'm already super, you know, I'm very pleased with how it's going. But even from there, I met the moms on the podcast and I was like, oh, so you do exist. Can we be friends? Can I have your number? Can we email each other? Can we be <laughs> Like I started to get a little, little carried away because I was so desperate for those deep friendships with moms who understood what I was going through. And that's when I decided to look for some sort of community for moms like me. At Facebook groups, there's super, um, there are many Facebook groups out there. They are great for giving advice, very informational, but there's like 14,000 people in these groups. There's no way I would meet anyone and actually become really good friends with them. That was what I was looking for. So last August, not too long ago, six months ago, I launched a membership community. It is a support group style community called Mothers Together. And it is specifically for mothers raising neurodiverse kids with the whole intent of building lifelong friendships, hopefully, um, you know, the deep connections and, and completely judgment-free support. And six months later, skipping over all the gory details, there are 60 of us and we are just the best of friends. It is the, everything I ever dreamed of and more. Um, they are in the same position as me and we all want the same thing. And so it's just, how can I help today? What are you struggling with? I'm struggling with this. You know, this was a tough day. Just we're all lifting each other up on a daily basis and it is so, so needed. So. That is the long version to your question <laughs> to explain myself in a nutshell. Oh, I love it. I love it. I can't, I mean, there's just, I don't even know where to start. Um, before we hit record, uh, we, we were kind of talking about how funny it is, um, how different it is making friends at this point in life and how, um, I don't know, I feel like many of us come to the point where we just feel like, Oh, we're, you know, I have my people, my people are my people. And maybe I'll meet some, have some acquaintances, you know, through activities and whatever, but, but really connecting with people on a different, different level and a deeper level, I didn't consider. And I think that when I think I assimilate it to, you know, sometimes when you meet someone like in a romantic relationship later in life, it fast tracks so much more, but it makes sense because you're so much more settled into like kind of who you are in your life. And it makes sense that a community that is in the same space in their life 
fast tracks a friendship because they already know, like, they don't, there's no onboarding of a friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be said. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of your experiencing what it is like compared to what you thought it might be like to have this like powerful group of women? I mean, and 60, that's a, that's a big group of women. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's the best. I, I, I have found, I have to say that. I've never taken a business class in my life. And I don't, that's the thing. Like you just said, you can't onboard your friends. This yeah. is not, <laughs> this is not a, it's not a business. It's my, it's like my life. It's, it's, it's taken on its own sort of being. Um, I don't know what I was thinking this could be. I knew once I started having moms on my, my show, I knew that they were out there. But I, I've noticed that so many of these moms are hiding just like I was hiding because there's really deep shame there. Um, in some ways, I, I'm not the only, I, I've heard members of my, um, community say this before. It's like you almost wish that there was like this one diagnosis, especially if it's a physical one. And I'm going to say that, um, you know, I'm hesitating as I say that I'm not wishing that at all. I guess what I'm saying is when your child has a laundry list of struggles and you don't know what it is, the only thing you can come to the conclusion on is that it's your parenting because it's not clear cut. It's so complicated. And so that deep shame, like, who do you talk to about it? Who do you, who do you go to besides perhaps a therapist? And I did do that. And that didn't go over well. That's a whole other story <laughs> because yeah. even they don't know either. It's like, well, you, you know, crack down on your, your, you need to be more strict. You need tighter boundaries. You're, you're letting them get away with things. And it's like, well, am I though? Like, I don't, and you start to lose your own inner voice as a mom, because what you thought would be the right thing is not the right thing for your kid. And one of the things that I now talk to my members about all the time is we can't put any of that blame on ourselves any more than a mom with quote unquote easy kids gets to congratulate herself. If she, if someone has really just easy kids, we know what that is. We know what that looks like. And those kids do exist. Um, And if you say to an easy kid, Hey, it's time to go put your shoes on and they go, okay. And they go put their shoes on. You don't get to say, gosh, I really nailed that. Like I am killing it over here. No, <laughs> you got lucky. Just like on the, on the flip side, having a really challenging kid who fights you and says, no, I'm never doing that. And chucks their shoes across the room. And they're not a baby. They're like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, And then also tells you to shove it and, and slams the door. Like these kids, that's not your fault. You know? So it's taking this, off of myself. And, and, and that's not blaming the child either. Neither of those things. It's, there's no blame at all. It's just is, it just is what it is. And so having this community of moms now, it has taken on a life of its own because now we are each other's lifelines to this. Um, I, because I'm, you know, created it, I'm now a little bit a part of all these little mini support groups because I take them and, um, put them in small support groups called pod squads. And so I'm in all the pod squads and I hear so many of the same things again and again. Um, you know, 
I'm afraid to take my child out to this birthday party or to the playground because I know that they're going to have a tough time and they're going to, they're going to react in some way. And then there's going to be judgmental stares and, or I, I, the school is calling me for the 14th time this week and I don't know what to do. There's this overlap again and again of how the rest of society does not understand kids like ours. And that makes us feel like garbage. And it's, that's the piece that we really can support each other with. We cannot change our lives and we don't want to change our lives. And we love the kids that we have, but we as moms need, need each other, need the community piece to what I use the analogy of is if you're having a hard day, you climb in the little red wagon, little red wagon, and we take turns pulling it. And that's all it is. It's taking turns, pulling each other along in a really hard journey. So again, a long answer to your (laughs) short question. Oh oh my gosh. No, I love it. And it takes everything in me to not be like, Oh my God. (laughs) I think I would personally fall over if my kid was like, okay, sure. I'm leaving. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Fall over. Right. Same. Um, (laughs) I think it's so interesting how, I mean, as humans, we have such a, fixation on naming and like wanting to neatly categorize things. And I mean, it makes sense. There's so much relief. I mean, even again, before we hopped on the call, we talked about how we had just discovered uh, HSPs or maybe it was on the call. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny. It's like, I knew when I looked at this list of someone deems that these qualities equal an HSP, a highly sensitive person, I felt this like, oh, oh my gosh, there's a there's a, there's a three letters that encapsulate all these things I relate to. That's amazing. It's like nothing really changed. It's just like, I get to put my finger on this word and say, this is it. Um, and alongside that is like this, this longstanding structure that we look to like authoritative figures for support. Like you said, you therapist or whoever it was. And, It's like you feel deep down in like your small inner wisdom voice. Like this isn't right, but I'm so desperate for answers. And I'm seeking the answers from the more knowing than me Mm -hmm. Um, and the undoing that has to happen and how long that journey can be before you look to your peers. And you're just like, I just want someone like, like me. Mm -hmm. Um, And the courage that it takes to raise your hand when you don't have the answers yet and you don't even have like a concise way of saying it. <laughs> like there's not one diagnosis. There's not one thing you're struggling with and just saying, Hey, this is a shit show. Mm-hmm. Who wants to come along with me <laughs> and join me? Yeah. Um, so what, like, can you describe that moment where you're like, okay, white flag, here I am. There, there has to be more of me. Um, and I'm not going to look to s- someone else to give me the answers. Hmm. There's been a bunch of those flags because I think I've raised, you know, waved the white flag and then took it back down again because it's like, I can't do this anymore. And it's like, oh, well, society says if I just X, Y, Z, then this will fix it. Okay. I try that. Okay. This isn't working. I wave the flag again. You know, it's like up and down, up and down. Um, I have had a, a handful of really, 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 really terrible parenting moments. One of them is the first episode of my podcast. Um, which is to make it short and sweet, but it's about a waffle. It's the whole point. It's my son, age three. He was barely three, like maybe a month after he turned three. And 
I had a newborn and I was nursing, trying to get all the kids ready to go to the beach, meet my colleagues there. I did not spread the peanut butter on the waffle in the way that he wanted. And that was sort of the OCD sort of piece coming out where each little hole of the waffle needed peanut butter evenly spread, whatever. It didn't look right. He was also hangry. He was past the point. He had a massive meltdown. And I tried all the strategies that I could think of, still having no idea what I was doing. I tried... The only thing I could think of in my head again and again was that he needed to calm down and I needed to put him in a space where he could calm down. So I brought him to his room and I was like, you you can calm down here and come out when you're ready. I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't thinking. He's three. um, But also he is um, a stage five clinger. And when I abandoned him, and I've since done that many times as he got older, still thinking like, oh, you know, he he should be able to calm down in his room or uh, wherever. Nope. If I leave the room, forget it. And he would, he was throwing his body into the closed door. And I was like, oh my God, he's going to, he's going to hurt himself. So then I got him back downstairs. We tried the waffle again. It was a no-go. I'm nursing, literally nursing as I go around the house with my infant. Um, my husband was at work. It was in the summertime. And um, so then I'm like, you know, what about some fresh air? It was a beautiful summer morning. I am trying to get us to the beach. What about some fresh air right on the deck? And I had a sliding door right between the table and the, the deck. So I put him on the deck. But I'm also feeding my daughter, getting her waffle ready and nursing the baby. And so I'm just like, okay, buddy, you know, he's still just screaming, screaming at the top of his lungs. And it's not like a fresh behaved, like defiant scream. It's like a guttural, I'm hurt scream. And it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I can't get him to stop. And I can't get him to calm down. It just keeps going and going and going. I don't know what to do. I'm starting to panic. And I put him out on the deck and I say, buddy, just some fresh air, just relax, like try to calm down. Meanwhile, I left him there. I could see him. I was two feet away from him, but I was inside the house on the other side of the the sliding door. And the next thing I know, my barely three-year-old was flipping over my deck furniture. He flipped the chairs. He tried to flip the table. And that was a, that right there is a wake up moment. If you see a three-year-old flipping chairs, it's like, this is not right. Something is not right. Um, I go into it in the first episode of my podcast, but my neighbor did come over, an elderly man, checking to make sure I wasn't hurting my children, essentially, to see if he needed to call, you know, child services. And that was a level of embarrassment that I didn't know existed. Shame. Shame is the word. Anyway, we got to the beach, but it was a two-hour meltdown um, that... I was way late. And more than that, it was so scary to see my child like that. And that was one of, there have been a few, that was probably the first real moment of like, whoa, I'm out of my league. I need help. I need people. I need answers. Yeah. Wow. I I can't believe you made it to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, or I was going to lose my head. And I handed the baby off to one of my friends to take this baby. And then of course my son was so, so hungry. He wolfed down that waffle three hours later. He didn't care what it looked like. Yeah. After all that, it was like, you know. <laughs> so where in this journey did you find, or are, are you still in it? Ways to give yourself grace in, 
in it, in that moment? Not until I started my community. Mm-hmm. Was I able to give myself grace? I didn't even know how to internalize that term, give yourself grace. I didn't even, that was not in my vocabulary at all. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's sort of a new England style slash my upbringing slash just my friends, everyone around me. It's kind of like, you just do it. You don't complain. You get it done. Life sucks. And then you die sort of (laughs) like there was no, I know this is hard. That would be considered coddling in my past. And so I wasn't coddled at all. I was just, you know, you just buck up, you just do the thing. And I was like trying to buck up again and again and again and again. And I'm like, but I can't do the thing. I can't, I can't do this. I'm losing it. Um, and that was a really hard place to be. I did not feel differently and I did not start appreciating myself as a mother until the podcast started talking with other moms And when I got into my community and really became friends with these moms, because how can we all be sharing the same struggles and all be bad moms? It's not possible. We're not bad moms at all. So therefore it's, it's not even about giving yourself grace because giving yourself grace, such a, it's a very popular term and I get it, but it implies that you are forgiving yourself for Mm -hmm. doing something wrong in the first place. Mm Mm-hmm. But what if I wasn't doing anything wrong? I don't need to give myself any grace. There's no grace to be had. I just am not doing anything wrong, period. Yeah. And so it's a different level of confidence. I don't think I'm some like dynamite, amazing mom, like superhero mom, but I am a good mom to my child because I get him and I am now using what I know about him and just letting it be. And that takes practice for sure. But having these other moms pushing me the whole way, lifting me up, like, I think I'm going to do it this way. Okay, you got this. Like, you're going to be great. It's going to work out great for him. When you have a a, a cheering squad 24-7 at your fingertips, like, there's no comparison. It's honestly, it's way better than therapy for me. It's just the best. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the common thread in all of this is like, the the need for the no bullshit like authentic voice and i think it's so funny how i feel like the first you were saying that the white flag went up then went down went up went down so uh, 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 uh. Mm. but once you you recorded that podcast and really got the ball rolling it's so funny how the snowball happens when you say something that's not watered down when you say something that has real truth behind it and it's not put through this filter of making it palatable. Oh gosh, how I, oh my gosh, how I have such an aver, I don't, I have to work out still why I'm so triggered by it, but like the toxic positivity and the, yeah. I, you know, when I came back from maternity leave and people would ask me like, oh, it must have been so nice. How was it? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't muster uh, a facade and I just said it was, it was terrible. I had really bad postpartum depression. <laughs> I would, 
It was terrible. It sucks. No, don't yeah, ask me again. Really bad. I've never actually never been so miserable. I love my baby, but I just, it was terrible. Yeah. I, you know, that once again, the shame that comes over because you can see like all of the things that the Rolodex that starts happening. And then you, whether it's true or not of how someone is like thinking that you're being negative or you're this or you're that. Once you can shed the caring of all of that and just really hone in on what you know to be true, the snowball happens. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the most gratifying thing. Yeah. And I think the not caring, the reason why we do care, the reason why these sort of words and, and societal expectations do sting is because they're hitting at a pain point we already had there. You know, if someone says to me, why don't you just, you know, you, you need to just be stricter, like stop letting him get away with this bad behavior, whatever that is kind of triggering for me because I already was thinking that. I was already thinking in my head, I'm too soft. I'm a pushover. I'm this, I'm that. And and that comes from a whole lifetime of knowing I am or have been a pushover. Um, people have taken advantage of me. And so when you already have these feelings about yourself and then someone else goes and comments on it, it's like, it, it, it hurts extra. So I couldn't not care for so long because the people I loved were telling me what they thought was just genuine advice, but it would happen to be hitting my weakest spots anyway. Mm. And so I guess that's why it's so hard to get there. You can't stop caring. Like just stop caring what people think is what you will be told. It's like, I, I can't because I already am insecure about that thing. And so before I can not care, I first have to, figure myself out and come to a level of acceptance about myself. But I personally could not do that without the other moms Mm -hmm. because I don't know, having somebody else tell me you're doing, you're doing this right. You, You did everything you could. This is, you're handling it great. You start to believe that those words, those positive words become your own inner words. And then you start to believe it. Once you can accept yourself, and be like, yeah, I actually am really good at what I'm doing. I, I'm a good mom. Then somebody comes along and says, you suck. And you're like, actually, no, I don't. And you can ask my 60 friends, you know, you, it, it's, it changes everything. It's, it's a game changer. Really. It's the best. Oh my gosh. There's such a, it's so powerful when you can recognize, I feel like sometimes things trigger me and I'm like, what? I get mystified by it. I'm like, why am I reacting like this. Um, but knowing that knowing the source of that can be so empowering. And also on the flip side of that, I have found more recently as something that's interesting. And tell me if you resonate with this is that I've uncovered a lot of things that on the surface level, I don't identify with. And then I sit with it for a while or I hear it enough times and I realize, Oh, I really do subscribe to that. Like, I, I don't even, I don't know if I can have a relevant example. I like just more recently, someone was like, Oh, like a worthiness problem. You have a worthiness problem. No, I don't like, no, I'm not at all. I logically think that or anything like that. And then you start recognizing these, you're acting in ways that are aligned with that. It blows your mind because on the surface right here, 
like, no, that doesn't make sense. I don't believe in that. No, that's not true. But then you find yourself living your life in a way that is subscribing to these things. Mm-hmm. I totally buy into that as well. And that's kind of parenting is really like that, especially your first kids. But you you parent how you were raised. It's just what naturally comes out or or your community, whatever your society was thinking and, and how you were treated, the world you were brought up in, that's what naturally typically is going to come out unless you're really pushing against it. And so there's all kinds of beliefs that you don't think you subscribe to. And like you said, and then something will happen or a comment will be made. And it's like, oh my gosh, that really, that stings. I am carrying that with me. I still remember comments people have said to me over the last eight years of raising my kids. Absolutely. Why am I still remembering them? It's because they hurt and they hurt because I already thought it was true. And and maybe I didn't even realize it. But then, like you said, you're like, wait a minute. I'm, it's true. It's so true. I'm really not strict. Like, I really am letting him get away with this behavior. And it starts to eat away at you and the insecurity comes and the doubt comes. And, and in terms of being a mom, I lost myself as a mom. I don't even know if I ever found myself in the first place, I guess. But if there was anything there, it was gone. It was lost for like four years. And it's just coming back now because I'm allowing it to sort of bubble to the surface of who I am and how I show up for my kids. And and that's that's where the, the magic is. And it's, you know, what you just said is so huge, but from, from what I've heard of your podcast and seen of your content, those huge, uh, changes, proclamations, whatever you want to call it, all take place in such tiny moments, Mm -hmm. just tiny, tiny, tiny. I mean, the, uh, (laughs) you said the first episode of the podcast was about a waffle and you know what I mean? Like, it's just but everything matters so much. Um, And speaking of, I guess, switching gears a little bit, but so how you process through all of this, I'd love to hear how, how it bleeds into the way you document your family and the pictures you take, because a lot, a big part of your uh, Instagram are your kids and these experiences that you have with them and kind of witnessing them in a way that is them in their elements. Um, do you want to speak mm-hmm. a little bit about that or if that's a conscious decision or just something you naturally do? Well, gosh, I, I love photography. I love it, love it, love it. I specifically love taking pictures of faces and I really specifically love taking pictures of my children's faces. Mm-hmm. And I always loved photography even as a kid. Um, but it took on a whole new life when my kids were born. And it's never been about some fancy camera or lens. I'm not really into all the equipment, although I probably should be, but meh, because it's really not about that. For me, capturing little moments a thousand times a day. Um, for, I probably like legitimately have a couple million pictures yeah. <laughs> stored away somewhere. Um, it's too many, it's, uh, it's too many to even know how to even handle them, but there are so many because 
it's funny because you hear people say, put down your camera, put down your phone and just enjoy the moment with your kids. And I've never agreed. There's a perfect example of a societal uh, thing that you hear that you're supposed to believe that you're supposed to push along. And it's like, but what if I don't? And, and that's a weird feeling, but, but when it comes to photography, uh, yeah, of course I'm going to take the pictures because that's how I'm going to remember the moment. I think when people say that, what they really mean is, you know, don't stop the fun to pose the family and say, everybody say cheese and look over here because that can sort of break the rhythm of a good moment. But that's not the kind of pictures I take anyway. I just take what I see and it brings me joy, tremendous joy, especially later when I go back and I look. And so here's a perfect example. The other day we got some snow. My husband was snow blowing the driveway and the kids were standing back at a safe distance, but totally getting pegged with the snow coming out of the snowblower. No, no rocks or ice involved, just some fluffy snow. And what I captured, just one simple little picture, is my youngest, just sheer glee in being pegged with snow. Um, nobody else is going to know that from the picture. I'm trying to find it on my phone, of course. No one's going to find see that from the picture. They're just going to see a five-year-old grinning and his little teeth, his little baby teeth and his long eyelashes and his rosy cheeks. Cause he was out in the snow and it's like, and even if no one else sees that picture, because why even would they, I didn't do anything with it. It's just sitting on my phone, but it's there. It's the reminder of his age of the moment. Um, he is a handful, <laughs> but that one little moment, I don't even know if you can see it. You probably can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's just it's something simple right it's nothing major yeah. but look yeah. at the expression on his face and i will go back and i will look at these so taking pictures is my happy place and it's really helpful to sort of forget the hard moments of parenthood and maybe the big meltdowns and the the real struggles that we're having over here when i'm just looking at pictures of soft little baby skin and you know utter joy at being in the snow. It is like everything. I love it so much. Oh, it, I mean, it was everything I could do to start from screaming and like, amen, when you were talking <laughs> about how, you know, people say, put down the camera. You know, if I think that, yes, it, people say that thinking about a photo being one way, but I also think that people say that because they're defining presence as something very specific, like, their way of being present. I don't think that there is a one way of being present. I think that for me, if I wanted to take a picture and it, it's like, I had an itch, like a really bad itch. And I was like, don't scratch it. Don't scratch. I mean, it's going to consume me. I just take the picture and then put it down and you're fine. It's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> way better that way. Um, but I, it, it sounds like it's the same, similar for you as it is for me, but like, the camera, whether it's the phone or the camera for me, is a way to engage deeper in it. And it kind of acts as like a, um, it's like a neutralizing filter in that. Okay. So this is a great example. 
Um, so I'm really passionate about I'm creating a course around using photography as a way to engage deeper, be more present and like manifest the type of life you want because what you see and what you believe you experience more of. And my friend that I speak to often, she said that she was inspired to document more of her kid. And she actually used it during a tantrum. He was throwing a tantrum and she was like, ah, like wanting to go back inside and she had to cook dinner. She had to do all those things. And instead of like fighting him harder, she's like, I took out my phone. I started recording him. And she's like, when I started doing that, it automatically switched something for me where I was able to like witness him instead of being in the frustration mm-hmm. with him. Oh, that was so fascinating. She was like, I was just kind of witnessing him and thinking about how adorable it was that he was so passionate about staying with the sticks and the rocks. And all of a sudden it was less frustrating and more like, Oh, he's not always going to care this much. You know, pretty soon he's going to want food more than care about Mm -hmm. rocks and sticks, you know? Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really precious that it became in that moment, not only a diffuser, but like a, a perspective shift, like a, a magic yes. trick to be able to see like that you're in a good old day. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was, you know, not to take away from the frustrations because that's frustrating in itself, but like also you could experience both. You could be like, but also, Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> percent agree with that. And plus taking a, I love when I get a good picture and I know it right away, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a mood changer. Like you guys, you're not listening. You're fighting. But hold on, let me just get a picture of you doing that run thing. It's it's perfect, you know, and that changes the whole mood it, it, and it, it changes the moment. And then when you look back on that picture, you're not, you're not remembering the, the, the bickering and the not listening and whatever you're, you're looking at your kid, your baby. Mm-hmm. It is like everything. I, I could not agree more. What I think is so fascinating to me, I, I feel like when I think about the archive, like the archive of your life, all the pictures you take over your life. I consider it like I assimilate it to your community. Like it is my soft place to land. Like it is, I go back to it and I take so many pictures that of course you don't remember all the pictures that you take. So it's almost like these like surprises, like all of these gifts that you don't even, some of them you remember deeply. Some of them you see and it jogs the feeling in you and others. It's like you took it in such unconscious passing that it's like you saw it for the first time ever. Like that mm-hmm. happened. Like, mm-hmm. you know, life has such a way of passing by. And, you know, these pictures that we're taking over time, they're therapy almost. Like you could mm-hmm. go back and witness them in such a different way. Uh, like my, when I had postpartum, I don't remember a lot of, that. And I don't remember a lot of why or when I took those pictures and I don't look very good in them. (laughs) Even the ones I'm smiling, I can Mm -hmm. see the smile is so it's like painful to even pull Mm -hmm. up my cheeks like that. But although at the time I hated those pictures, I look back and it's a way to heal for me. Like I, I feel for that person. And I also am so proud of how far I've come. And I feel so much relief from that. And I'm so glad I took those pictures because I, I damn well near blacked out that time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and you can look how far you've come since. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's, I could not agree more. I absolutely love that kind of photography for sure. Yeah. 
Um, so I guess, and to come to a close, something that I think that, um, is a common thread also in what we've talked about is the notion of the reality and the expectation and the beauty in both of it. Um, I know you first started talking something that I resonated so strongly with is like, you know, you said that I'm just someone that's always been good with kids and I'm this and I'm that. And I thought, Oh, I know what kind of mother I'm going to be like based on all of the interactions I had with all of my friends, kids, and I wanted it my whole life. So when I had such a severe postpartum, I was like, what I tried for the, like, and nothing adds up. Like logically it doesn't make sense, which, you know, when you try to use logic to figure out anything emotional, what, what good <laughs> right. does that do? But you know, the expectation of what you're going to be versus the reality and what happens there and beauty in both. Um, mm-hmm. What can you say about that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's about <sighs> the acceptance of yourself helps to push away those expectations that are coming from other places. Um, what people expect of you, whether it's capturing moments with your kids, whether it's thinking that you're a good or bad mother, um, whatever the topic is, it's coming from what society says, the way you were raised and you've, you've deeply ingrained those expectations in yourself. But when they don't fit, that's where you're at that crossroads getting past that is, is, seeing your strengths and how they overshadow anything that you're not so good at. But the hard part is how to see the strengths in the first place. Mm. And for me, that brings it back to community. I couldn't see them until other people helped me see them and not like a therapist holding my hand. And there's nothing wrong with that. I've done therapy as well, but that's, that's different. That is a top down. I have information and you need to figure it out and match me. A community is, we don't really have any other information either. We don't have a hidden agenda. We just know what we see. This is what we see. Do you see it? And you start to really go, Oh, no, but wait, maybe I guess. Yeah, I guess I do. And that, that leads you to the piece where you can push away the expectations and just see it for what it is. And I don't know. I, I don't know if it's like a, a midlife crisis or whatever. I'm not that old, but somewhat, somewhat midlife. <laughs> is it that? Is it something about my thirties? Is it, or is it these friends? Is it these people who, who's, who I don't even know, but I do know on a deep level who are able to say those expectations, those aren't even like, those aren't even real. They're just pushed forward by society for who knows why, but they're not even real. Go with what's real. And that's the reality of who you are and who your children are. And it's, it's really just magic, but it takes a long time to get there. And I don't think some people never get there. And I'm grateful that I have sort of seen the light in the last year and I feel, honestly, I feel like a whole new person. It, it is literal magic to me because something you said a lot just now was like the term C, C. And it's like so funny because your reality hasn't really changed. Like I'm sure to a degree, you know, when you 
feel like you have these different ways of like knowing what works best for you and your family. Of course, there are things that um, improve and ebb and flow and, you know, whatever seasons change the whole thing. But like, you could have the same exact experience, but because you see differently, like, oh, I see it's the same event could happen and it could feel like a totally different world. And there's so much power. It seems like so perplexing and confusing, but at the same time, it's so empowering. Like all I have to do is just tweak the way I'm seeing it and it can be so much better. Yes. hundred percent. That is exactly what it's like. It's so good. So please tell us more about where we can find your podcast. Tell us more about your membership how it works, you know, when it's open, the whole thing. I appreciate that. So my podcast is on the hard days. Um, you can find it Apple, Spotify, and, and pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. Um, every week I bring a mom on my show to share her story. So if any of your listeners are moms raising neurodiverse kids, I'm all ears and always willing to chat. Um, you can, um, find my website is on the hard but that's also where you'll find out about Mothers Together, which is the name of my support group community. Um, we launch monthly. Um, and so I start up new support groups every month. Um, I'm always looking to just talk with other moms. It's about the connection and the support and the friendship. You can email me at ontheharddays at gmail. Or you can find me on Instagram at ontheharddays, but there's dots in between each word. Um, that it is the community that makes this whole thing what it is. And so without the other moms to share the journey with me, then I've got nothing. So um, I am so grateful to have met these amazing people who really just get it. And thank you for letting me plug all of that. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh. I mean, and it's the first of its kind, right? Like so far as I can see you, (laughs) I have not found anything else out there. Otherwise I would have joined it eight years ago. Yes. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and everything. I am so excited for what's to come for you and, and this group. So yes, please everyone check out Megan. You are the best. That was so kind. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and want to get in on actual conversations with me, join the help me see podcast private Facebook group. Every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be hopping on live for Q&A on the latest episode and for free consulting if you need a bit of help thinking about ways to save your memories. Did you get something out of this episode? I really, really, really hope you did. And I would love to hear from you. I'm on a mission to empower you to feel peace knowing that you are not missing your life. One of the best ways that you can support me is leaving a review. And honestly, I'd rather hear about the memory you saved because of this podcast rather than any kind of accolade. Tell me how this podcast has impacted you. And one, I'll probably cry. (laughs) And two, I'd love to give you a shout out on the show. Take a minute and head out to the link in the bio to write a review now on the podcast. 